Hello everyone, my name is Amy Zirkel and you're listening to Transaction Trending, the official podcast of ETA. Thanks for tuning in. On this episode, we take a look at the recent merger between Payrock, Payscape, NextGen, and BluePay Canada. To do that, we're joined by Adam Bloomston, president of Payrock. Adam is an entrepreneur and executive leader in our industry and was instrumental in the deal coming together. So let's take a listen to our conversation. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today on Transaction Trending. Um, so for our listeners, let's let's start with a little bit about you. You are an entrepreneur and uh, an executive in the payment space. You've had a truly, truly impressive career. For those who, who don't know you uh, as well as maybe some of our listeners, can you uh, share a little bit about the path that led you to your role as president of Payrock? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show. I have started up a handful of different businesses in my career. Majority of them were not in payments or technology. Some of them I ended up selling to other buyers. Some, uh, it was just time to close them down. None of them were really any any big success or anything like that. So it, it gave me the ability to cut my teeth and kind of have a, a feet on the street my own little MBA program, my own education on how to be an entrepreneur after college, and then started a Payscape out of Atlanta 15, almost 15 to 16 years ago. And it was a it was a total bootstrap story. Me and, and a business partner started the company up out of his basement. We were pounding the pavement one door at a time uh, and, and just selling, you know, credit card processing door to door, basically. You know, it, it was working. Our friends were taking jobs. We were able to train people, get them to start doing the same. We moved out of the basement. We knew we needed more intelligent products than just a dumb terminal on the counter. So we we started 12 years ago partnering, reselling other gateways and, and integrating into other SaaS softwares. We ended up buying some of those SaaS softwares we were integrating with, and our sales force was much more tech-savvy. And it seems common now, but over a decade ago, it was kind of unique. And so we were, you know, more selling more solutions than we were just credit card processing. We would blur the lines between processing and SaaS software. And so we were kind of building this footprint. Also, we were moving into different cities all over the South and, and, and regional, but went as far over to Texas and up to Cleveland at the time. And it just built out, you know, kind of a integrated payments technology sales force across the country which kind of gets us to where we merged last year with a company called NextGen out of Whitefish, Montana, founded by a guy named Tom Natopi. They have an, they have an amazing, uh, another amazing bootstrap story. We were about the same size. They were more agent ISO related, put the two companies together. And I was CEO. And we, while we were on that path, we acquired BluePay Canada out of First Data, which is Marcus Dagenet's original technology, his family's technology, which used to be called Caledon. And, and that's just an amazing other um, piece that kind of dovetailed in nicely because it was a proprietary back-end settlement capability gateway all the way down to settlement payback enablement in Canada. And right at that time, we, uh, we merged with Payrock. Um, out of Chicago, which was another amazing piece to put into the story. So, um, you know, and, and Payrock was about the size 
of all three of the companies, Payscape, Caledon, and NextGen combined. So, so it really was, at that point, another merger of equals. And, and at Payrock, we have our own North American proprietary back-end settlement capabilities. So full-service acquire in Canada and U.S. with multiple distribution channels, ranging from agent to direct, W-2, to referral partnerships, financial institutions, and obviously payback enablement and integrations. And we were fortunate enough, uh, a gentleman named Jim Oberman, uh, who's an industry veteran. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will know Jim. I mean, he's got a lot of history with NPC and and Retriever and a few other stories there, too. He was chief risk and underwriting officer for Vantive for a while, and, and, and we're lucky enough to get him in this story. And so he became CEO at that time, and I'm president. Of wow. Payrock. So I guess that's a long-winded answer <laughs> of kind of how I got here and who we are and oh, how I'm present God. now. No, but how wonderful. I love, I love that you sort of, you've laid out, you're not, you were not a payments guy. You were a business guy. You were an entrepreneur. You were, um, you had a hunger to kind of create some businesses, solve problems, fill a void. That's driven by passion the opportunity to really to really make a mark, and I I love too that your um, this path that's led you through some pretty significant mergers over the last last year has been some like-minded players who started up as you described similarly with just this great grand entrepreneurial spirit and vision. If you can offer a little of perspective, having been in the middle of all of those as a real driver. How did those mergers come together for, from your perspective? What really were those strategic drivers that you said, you know what, here's, a, here's an opportunity we really need to pursue? So there's a conference, a skiing conference that takes place out in, in uh, Big Sky, Montana, once a year called Ski Tech. And a lot of us met at that conference, actually. Uh, I met Tom Matopi uh, a couple of years back. We're going maybe four years back now. And we both just said, hey, look, we have got to start talking. Both our companies would dovetail nicely. Geographically, you you cover kind of central U.S. and West. We cover central U.S. and East. And also distribution channels, like we don't overlap at all. All of our people in W-2s, all of yours are agents and sub-ISOs. Like it's just a nice fit. Our companies are similar in size. And we spent some time putting together the deal and then – it was a little too sophisticated for me and Tom to put together. Like we could kind of do it on the back of a napkin. We even had some investment bankers help us, but at the time it was just a little bit out over our ski tips. And we had said, Hey, look, let's, let's work on, you know, we got a few things inside of our organizations we want to clean up. So let's clean them up and stay in touch. And we did. And we always made sure to play golf at whatever conference we were at or send each other our financials over time and just built a really nice relationship segue there's a year or so in the middle of this story where we had invited henry helgeson from cayenne to come to ski tech one year and uh and he brought his private equity board member zach sadek from parthenon capital so i'm kind of tying all these stories together yeah. now so, oh my so then we met zach and zach met tom all at ski tech and that's kind of how that flourished and then everybody's moving down the path, getting to know each other on their own and doing different things. And then Tom came to me one day and said, hey, 
I've got a private equity firm I, I really want to um, work with here. I can't tell you who it is yet. Uh, we're under NDA. We're working on some stuff, but but let's keep in touch. And, and I want you in this story as soon as possible. And I was like, cool. And then right about then, I got a phone call from Jamie Hamilton, our our investment banker at SunTrust Robinson Humphreys. And he said, hey, uh, randomly, Zach Sadak from Parthenon's coming in town. You want to go to a Braves game? And I was like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> um, and at the Braves game, I kind of triangulated at the Braves game. It's a funny story. I said, I just leaned over, we're talking. I leaned over to Zach, and I said, so are we going to do this next-gen deal or what? And he goes, oh, you know about that? Yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk to you about anyway. And I was like, ha, I didn't know about it, <laughs> but now I do. Um, so so then all of a sudden the three of us were kind of in that conversation, having it together. They closed on NextGen in December of 2018. They closed on Payscape into the fold in May of 2019. And then along the way, this is another crazy story. Along the way, uh, before Payscape closed, um, Zach came to us and said, y'all, there's a company out of the first date is going to roll out that we think would make a nice fit. The guy named Marcus Dagenet, who is technically CEO, one of the kind of core founders of Blue Pay Canada, Paladin, original name. Marcus had been coming to Ski Tech for three or four years. So from a culture perspective, we were all friends. We had all hung out, been skiing together, had taught business for years. So we were like, oh, well, that's a no-brainer. We all love Marcus. So that was a big help there, too. Wow. That kind of ties in Marcus to the story. And then I believe Zach made a connection. Zach Sadek was in Chicago probably sometime around April of 2019 and made a connection uh, who was partially representing Payrock and the journey they were about to go on. And Zach made a connection there and said, we need to tie Payrock into the, at the time, the name of our company was TPO Holdings. And so it just all kind of started swirling together. The combination and conversations really started swirling together from there. We pretty much closed on Blue Pay Canada and Payrock into the story all at the same time. Those two were kind of simultaneous. They were just real close in time. So it's really all about, I'd say this story is about networking, mm -hmm. being in the right places, mm -hmm. making sure you're you're connecting to the right people. And then, you know, look, you kiss a lot of frogs when you get into the acquisition <laughs> game and you got to look at a lot of different companies. Um, so to have the culture connections with everybody right off the bat and to build those relationships the way that we're able to, it kind of allows us to, to step on the gas. Sure. Once it was time to see if the technologies and the companies fit together nicely, which, which, which they really do. Wow, it's 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 really fascinating to hear you tell this story because you're right. It's about cultural fit, alignment. It's it's knowledge. It's energy, right? It's persistence and commitment, but, but it's relationships at the heart of it and building. And investing, not just investing sort of in the business sense, but investing in building those relationships and establishing credibility and and moving effectively down that path to to bring, you know, your companies together to pull in other companies to design and define a new player to bring extraordinary value to to the marketplace. So 
Adam, speaking of new marketplaces, um, I'm sure we're going to talk about the traditional ISO and agent channels a little bit later, but, but let's talk about the new guys right now, because there's a lot of them. How has this strategic merger affected Payrock's reach into new players like ISVs and payment facilitators? So a couple of things. We now own a and are a proprietary settlement backend in both the United States and Canada. With the BluePay Canada piece that was originally called Caledon before it was rolled into BluePay then first data that we, we, we acquired, that is a full soup to nuts gateway to reporting, to transactional, to proprietary settlement capabilities in Canada, including PAD. Um, and it's full payfac enablement. It is solely right now card not present, and we're working on integrating some card present technology into the platform as we speak. In the U.S., a couple years ago, there was a company called Integrity Payment Systems that Payrock had acquired, a good friend of the CEO, Jim Oberman, a gentleman named Mike Ponder was the founder and CEO of Integrity Payments, and they built a fully enabled merchant service acquirer and provider in the U.S. Um, with a gateway. And all, again, same thing, both countries from transaction reporting uh, to setting up bin tables to um, all back-end chargebacks, underwriting, um, customer service, statementing, messaging, um, splitting transactions and doing whatever you need to do with the transactions on the back end in both the U.S. and Canada. So with those capabilities, we have been already winning in the marketplace. Both companies were very strong winning in the marketplace. And combined, even in the, in the short term, we have gone after some clients that were either just in the U.S. or just in, the, in Canada and been able to offer them the rest of our products and services and we've already been winning um, with some of our current clients and some new clients on those technologies as well. Wow. From, from where you are at Payrock now, what do you see as the biggest opportunities ahead of you for, for what's going on in payments today? So, so from what we've put together now, you know, we are this big company that is just a refreshing alternative to some of the legacy big box 800-pound gorillas in our industry. Um, we're big enough and have the technology to compete with anyone for any customer in the country from a technology perspective and from a pricing perspective. But at the same time, because of our still somewhat small in size compared to them, right, First Data might have tens of thousands of employees, we're able to offer what we think is compared to some of those big box competitors out there, a little bit more boutique and white glove offer um, and can still handhold things a little bit more. We've been winning in a lot of different spaces right now, whether it's financial institutions and agent and bank programs, you know, whether it's integration technology and payback enablement, and there's different variations of that as well. And then, you know, also there's, there's a lot of noise out there right now with some of the bigger mergers and how I would say they've probably neglected a channel or two in our space. But when those big guys neglect a channel, it's a real, it really creates a ripple. And, you know, we believe firmly in the agent ISO channels, and we're investing heavily in them. 
You know, I, I think that the ever-growing and changing gig economy in this country is real. And right now, about one in four Americans identify with being a part of the gig economy, meaning they have more than one job. Right. And, and within five years, they predict that to be 50% of the country. So whether that's people working at a bar and selling payments or driving for Uber and selling payments or, you know, what, whatever it is, we think that there's kind of a couple of pieces moving in the direction of, uh, uh, that, that support our thesis on really investing in this channel and building out some nice relationships as the economy continues to change and as there's noise in the industry and people are they're forgetting about some really good people out there. So. Yeah, it's a really compelling story, and and again, it, it, you're you're absolutely right, and you sort of see that this this ISO agent, this sales channel, is such is a bridge to an evolving, changing market of merchants, and what would constitute a merchant's very different, um, and and your acknowledgement of the role that the the gig economy is playing is 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 really significant and, and part of what we're seeing on this landscape. So Adam, you're, again, you've, you are a business leader. There's great opportunity, but do you sleep at night? Um, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what, 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 I mean, what, as, as comfortable as you are in sharing, what challenges do you see in the industry that, you know, you sort of say, all right, I, I got to keep an eye on this. I'm a little, you know, what, it's a standard question that all business leaders can probably, what does keep you up at night? Uh, to answer your first question, no, I don't sleep at night. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get a few okay. hours and then I wake up three or four times and then, you know, uh, so all in, all in, not, not, not the best sleeper. Um, you know, the things that, uh, it depends. So it, it, in 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 my position, in any leader's position, the things that will keep you up at night aren't always the biggest moving rock in the industry that's cut or the headwind of the industry. It's just what you're dealing with, you know, the next day, right? It's what you dealt with that day. Um, but I think more to the point of your question, what are what are the big headwinds in the industry that potentially I see and things like that? Look, it's a, it's a fascinating industry, and the positive and the negative kind of happens to be the same thing. So if you go back kind of the beginning of the industry, there might have been a handful of players, call it five mm -hmm. players, that were doing sure. credit card processing. And then they create this sub-ISO and agent model. So now they empower all these other people to go do the same thing. Well, those people were just taking their revenue, right? They, and they were just putting it on their platform, but at least the top five were then saying, okay, well, at least it's still inside of my chain, down chain, but I'm just getting a smaller piece of it. So as that's taken place for 20, 30 years now, now there are thousands of technically agents and sub-ISOs that have spread out that original mass or what the original mass would have been across all these different agents and ISOs. So, so the reality is, is the, all the acquisition that takes place from the strategic perspective is they're just buying back what was originally theirs, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it creates this like self-sustaining M&A ecosystem where they create more of, of, of the smaller players. The smaller players are now creating really cool technology. So they're stealing merchants that used to be on, you know, on worse technology, or it's just a race to the bottom and you do it on price, which is, which is the end of us all, which creates margin compression. So then 
you're really only renting these merchants, unfortunately, for two, three, four, five years at a time, right? You, you acquire them, but then you've got attrition every single month, too. So someone else is renting them. Someone else steals them with their low price or their technology. But then ultimately, all of this creates more M&A coming from the strategic channels because they have to continue to buy it up because they can't organically grow because they've created all these other downchain agents and ISOs that are stealing the merchants again and again and again. So I think all of that to me is always like the big swirling storm that's a couple miles <laughs> off sea. But if you, if you put yourself in the right spot, it can be very advantageous in this industry. Build good tech, have integrity, do right by customers, build your business nicely, and someone ha will have to have it. In this, in this industry, you have to buy back your revenue streams, your, your margin streams. So it kind of creates a self-sustaining problem and opportunity if done correctly. That's it's a bit of a puzzle you got to figure out. It is. It's fascinating though, and you've clearly uh, really have thought about it in a in a really intentional way, with an eye towards facing the challenges but driving driving towards success. So you know, uh, here in uh, I don't know two months or so, we, ETA, have our annual trade show and conference, Transact. Um, Adam, what are, your, what are your plans? What are your company's plans for Transact this year? I hope we're going to see you there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We don't miss it. Yeah, so this year we've got, we, I think we had two, at the time of all these mergers, we might have had two booths set up, so we had to figure out how to consolidate that. Um, you know, we're kind of in the middle of, of marketing. We changed all brands, have changed over to Payrock. So you'll see kind of, you know, and we've also updated the payroll marketing. So you'll see a lot of that at ETA this year. Um, I, we've sponsored some different things throughout throughout the event, but we're bringing in, you know, we're bringing in a crew of probably around a dozen folks that, you know, will have some, some really targeted strategic initiative that, you know, what our takeaways will be before, during, and after the meeting as well. But the, the ETA show is always a big event for us every year. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for that. I, we and our listeners truly appreciate uh, you sharing that, that perspective with us. So, Adam, if you'd be so kind as to indulge us here at Transaction Trending, we like to end every podcast with what we call parting perspectives. And these are just three quick, simple questions that really allow our listeners to get to know you, you a little bit better, you Adam a little bit better. So with that, I hope you will indulge me. Sure. So what was your first job? And I'm expecting something really spectacular because you sound like you were a really entrepreneurial kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is kind of funny. So my first job, well, I worked in my dad's warehouse. He was in the apparel manufacturing business. Well, I was in his warehouse from the time I have a memory every summer and after school and on weekends and stuff working. Um, but my first real job outside of that was the great American cookie company sure. at the mall. Sure. Uh, where that's the first job I ever had. And the first time I got fired, <laughs> um, uh, of which I think, I, I think I've been fired from every job I've ever had. Oh my. Uh, so, so, I got fired because I lied oh my on my during the application and told him I could work the cash register just so I could get the job. Right. And then, like on day one, he's like, "Cool, I see you can work the cash register." And so, like, 
it was just bought, <laughs> you know, receipt, refund, invoice after refund. The line was a mile long. And like on the second day, he was like, that's it. You're fired. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think I think I lasted like two or three days. And then he was like, this isn't working. You're out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, so given that early experience with a cash register, dare I ask, what was the last thing now most recently that you actually did buy with cash? Tips and whatnot, always cash. Yeah. Still Still tips. I don't buy anything with cash, but we, it's all tips. We love tips. that. I, I keep cash for tips and, and, and moments like that. We at ETA like love that. But yeah, until, sure, until we really write solve for tips, um, I think that's like the last bastion for cash, it seems to me. Yeah. Um, and then finally, and you've offered already just an extraordinary amount of really kind of foundational business advice, but but for you as a professional, as a, as a human being, what's what's the best piece of advice you've ever received that, that, you know, resonates with you, comes back when you're confronted with a big decision, be it personal, professional, that wisdom that you impart to your kids? What's the best piece of advice you can share with our listeners? I, I think that probably the, the the easiest common denominator to have amongst your peers in the I'm talking in the business environment sure. in the work environment as an entrepreneur like the one thing that every worker employee entrepreneur could easily master without having to go to school get a degree or become a tech genius coder or go to Harvard or whatever it is. The one thing anyone can master is a strong work ethic. And that's just, to me, that was always like a simple thing that like, no matter what, I might not have been the smartest guy in the room, but I could always outwork the competition. And I think that's just like simple, like a simple foundation, like no matter what, work harder than everyone, work longer than everyone. Don't give up, don't quit until, you know, whatever success is, whatever your goal is. I think that having a strong work ethic should just be like the the base platform for all of us as as employees and as entrepreneurs and and in life. Oh, Adam, that's absolutely apt and accurate. I have so enjoyed the chance to chat with you today. I know our listeners did as well. Adam Bloomston, thank you so much for your time with us here today on Transaction Trending. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Adam for joining us for a fantastic conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, I've got great news for you. We even have more episodes coming up. So do subscribe to our podcasts wherever you're listening now to get them first. And make sure to secure your spot to Transact, happening April 27th to the 30th at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. Transact is the one show focused entirely on the merchant acquiring ecosystem. Thousands come to make connections and get deals done. You won't want to miss it. Visit www.etatransact.com to register today. For ETA, I'm Amy Zirkel. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Transaction Trending, a podcast powered by the Electronic Transactions Association. ETA is the leading trade association for the payments industry, representing over 500 payments technology companies worldwide. This episode was produced by Laura Hubbard and Patrick Nolan. It was recorded, edited, and mixed by Patrick Nolan. 
For more information on the Electronic Transactions Association, visit electran.org.